Welcome back to Salesy. I am actually so excited for the guest today. Her name is Desiree and she was actually my life coach back in 2020 when I started my whole journey. For those of you who don't know Des, she is a millennial behavioral therapist that specializes in ideal self-development using cognitive behavioral therapy, stoicism, philosophy, and mindfulness. Desiree, (laughs) welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Happy to be here. So excited to have you here. Obviously, to kick it off, how did you get started in life coaching? And when did you know that you wanted to become a therapist? (laughs) Big questions right off the bat. Love this. Um, Yeah, so I, I, I think life coaching came pretty organically for me. I started coaching in 20, late 2019. And then was a coach full-time for two years before deciding to apply for graduate school. And this was before coaching got really trendy in like the Instagram space. I was one of like the newer ones coming out. Um, And so I didn't quite know exactly like what this industry was. And I had a lot of uh, leadership experience in um, my previous corporate role. So I had six years in corporate and I would share a lot about what I was doing in my work life and then would also share about what I was doing in my personal life. Um, mindfulness was always a big key component that I would talk about. And so I was documenting my life as we tend to do on social media. And I started getting a lot of questions around um, how I was just doing my own personal healing. And then I started collecting um, curriculum and would speak to what I was learning and then created uh, courses. And my following was growing at the time. And in 2020, when we were in lockdown, it kind of spiked. And so I saw a big growth in my followers, which then led to me being able to reach more people. Uh, At the time, I focused a lot on reparenting. It was a lot of the work that I was doing on myself, um, inner child healing, and just being able to really speak to that in a way that felt like relatable. Um, And that's how I got into life coaching. And there was a point where I realized that I felt like there were these like boundaries within what I was working in and what I was doing. And um, I knew I wanted to go deeper with clients, but also knew I didn't have those credentials to go as deep as I wanted to. And so I really started thinking about becoming a therapist and I started to apply to graduate programs and I got accepted and I just graduated my program. So two years later, (laughs) I am done and I am now a therapist and really enjoying that work. But I definitely have a soft spot for coaching and um, just people who are interested in learning more about themselves, um, whether that's in a business aspect, whether that's in a personal or professional aspect. I'm really drawn to um, people who are curious and I feel like I have an endless curiosity within myself. I would definitely agree with that. I remember when I found you on Instagram and we bonded over the pink filter back when mm-hmm. it was so huge. But I remember being instantly connected to you and working with you. I actually started exploring a lot of the things that I still use today. And you introduced me to Eckhart Tolle and the Mm -hmm. four agreements. And Mm -hmm. it's so interesting too, to see this path over the last kind of two years of moving out of life coaching while still kind of doing some and moving into therapy. Cause I feel like those worlds are very separate Mm -hmm. for someone who isn't as versed maybe in therapy and life coaching. Mm -hmm. What would you make the distinction and difference for them? Yeah. So we'll start with coaching. So life coaching 
you're really taking your client and seeing the goals that they want to accomplish that's going to move them forward. And so if they're wanting to get from point A to point B, you're going to help them give them some structure so that they can move progressively forward um, in whatever they're trying to achieve. And so a lot of SMART goals work is supportive um, for life coaching. And then therapy, I would say, we still have goals that we're moving forward to, but a lot of them are about processing. And so with therapy, we're spending a lot of time in your past and kind of like untying like what happened that is affecting the way you're thinking today. And that may cause some of the reactivity that you have today. Um, how can we learn different coping skills so that you learn how to regulate your nervous system so that you can um, withstand the situations that might be triggering for you? So I, I see life coaching as like a forward progression. You're trying to get from point A to point B. Therapy is let's explore the past and give you some skills in a very safe way <laughs> so that you can make sense out of things that may have transpired. Yeah, I would definitely agree doing both. And like therapy is not just laying on a couch and mm -hmm. someone taking notes. I think right. there is still a lot of stigma around what therapy is and what happens in the therapeutic rooms. Mm -hmm. I've been in therapy for the last two years and absolutely mm -hmm. adore my therapist. And there mm -hmm. is a lot of time we are kind of untangling processing. It's also what I would describe too. You can have this experience in life coaching, but it is a non-judgmental space. You know, right. your therapist does want you to succeed in life, mm -hmm. but they don't have a personal tie-in mm -hmm. where your friends or your boyfriend or your parents might have. And so it's mm -hmm. very objective that I've also learned as well. And sometimes yes. when I come with, you know, an existential crisis that maybe not is an existential crisis, mm -hmm. but it feels like it, it's nice to have that space to process and really mm -hmm. kind of untangle things. Yeah, I like that you brought that up. Um, so another thing about coaching is like usually with coaches too, you hire a coach maybe because you want to be where they are or you want to learn. How did you get to where you are? Teach me what teach me what you did. I, I want these skill sets myself. And so that enables the coach to give a lot of self-disclosure. Like we can really share in the coaching role. This is what I did. This is my framework. Here's how we can adapt it to fit you. And so there's a lot of exchange of like personal information, business information that goes into a coaching relationship. And then when you have a therapeutic relationship, therapist isn't sharing anything really about themselves, their journey. You know, we really focus it about you. And when we are engaging in dialogue, we're reflecting a lot of what we're hearing back to you so that you can hear the patterns for yourself and so that you can have those connections being made on your own. And sure, there'll be times where we try to connect that a little bit. And we usually frame it as, I wonder if, you know, you thought about it this way, what might happen? <laughs> and so we're always trying to reflect back. Um, when coaching, you can literally say, hey, this isn't working. So like, we're going to scratch that idea and go to idea number two, three, four. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of reflecting and a lot of I think with your relationship with your therapist too, it's very you focused where coaching can mm -hmm. feel like we, and it's not that mm -hmm. one is better than the other. It's really depending on where you need it and mm -hmm. what you need. For me, when I got into life coaching, that was the start of doing the personal development and the work that I wanted to. And reparenting was actually the first thing you and I worked on together mm -hmm. is that starting to do inner child healing and really starting to work on some of the narrative that I had as an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and how hard I worked and all the things. And that definitely led me to getting into therapy and then yeah. starting to process some larger emotions. Mm -hmm. 
when it comes to entrepreneurship and mental health and everything that you have seen, what are some of the things that maybe could hold someone back from actually getting help, either life coaching or therapy Mm. or some of the narratives around it that you would like to change? Oh, I have to figure it out all by myself. (laughs) I think that is a huge one. Uh, The thing about entrepreneurship is I feel like it is a very vulnerable work. Um, You are taking your creations and you're putting them out into the world. And with that, you're going to face some rejection. You're also going to face some wins. And so thinking that you have to have it all perfect or all figured out by yourself, I feel like is unrealistic. Like we all need help, right? (laughs) We all need help. And no one is figuring all of this out by themselves, Mm -hmm. especially if they have gotten to the point where they're, they're stable. Like they have had conversations with people, um, at some point in time, they, you know, we, we thrive when we're in, um, community and when we can rely on other people and entrepreneurism is hard. You are literally like creating things and are putting them out into the public receiving feedback, good, bad, whatever, but that's a part of being an entrepreneur. You do have to put yourself out there to see if it resonates or not. Um, And when it becomes like, it can be quite personal, especially if you're working for yourself uh, because you're spending so much time developing product or services um, and you're putting so much energy and so much of yourself into it. Um, I saw some statistic the other day that had said like entrepreneurs tend to uh, have more anxiety and can be more prone to depression um, because of the stresses that can come with owning a business and so I just want to like validate that and and normalize that because it's it's not if it was easy work everybody would do it and not everybody's like mindset is created for entrepreneurism either Uh, and I think that's another thing too that is okay to know like it's always okay to try something and if you thrive better and like a more structured environment and like you like working with other people or like working for someone and that alleviates stress for you but you're still feeling like accomplished like that's okay there are so many different ways that you can be successful in this life and it's really how you define success for yourself I think is what matters most I would definitely agree that like entrepreneurship isn't for everybody Mm -hmm. and like we are starting to see people leave and it's okay if like there's so much negative stigma around being an employee and Mm. if you find comfort and safety and regulation inside of clocking in and clocking out and having Mm -hmm. you know if you find like achievement and recognition in your job like don't think that you have to be an entrepreneur to do in all these things I think it's such an interesting conversation that it seems to be like an echo chamber in the online space sometimes Mm. where it's like, start your own business, do this thing, don't be a side hustler. But then when you get back out Mm. there to the the normal world with Mm -hmm. the majority of the population still working normal jobs, Mm -hmm. it's okay. And when it comes to like mental health, truly nobody has it all figured out. Mm -hmm. Most of us have a therapist and it's so interesting. The more friends I talk to, about it because that was one thing when I started therapy I was like looking around and I was like nobody's talking about going to therapy but everybody's going to therapy Mm -hmm. so even if you feel like someone doesn't have that relationship they may have something else yeah but just to reiterate nobody's doing it by themselves nobody by themselves and we shouldn't like it's good to have help (laughs) it's important to have help Yeah. Something that I feel like comes up with entrepreneurship and something that I learned with you 
is kind of this, like when you're an entrepreneur, you can kind of work so that you don't have to get to know yourself. And Mm -hmm. at some point you learn that you can't do more work in the day and that it may Mm -hmm. be hurting you. And you start exploring that relationship with yourself. What Mm -hmm. would you say to someone who is starting to get into that place? And maybe it's scary Mm -hmm. for them to start diving into who they are without Mm -hmm. overworking themselves. Oh, great question. Yeah. So like overworking, can you hear the storm behind me? I don't know if you can hear it or not. No, but but I can see it. (laughs) It's storming so hard here. Um, Overworking can be a way of coping. And so you're trying to make sure that your mind is staying busy at all times so that you don't have to sit with the uncomfortability of whatever you might be worried is going to come up. And making space for self-reflection, I think is super important. I could not recommend it enough. Um, But I think like knowing that it's okay to explore yourself, it's okay to see like what thoughts and feelings comes up um, and maybe doing it little bits at a time, you know, uh, they're going to come up at some point, I think ultimately. And if we can let out the steam little by little, instead of it like overtaking us and it all comes out at once, usually by something really small that just so happens to trigger us just the right way. And then everything comes out and spending some time in reflection, whether that's journaling or even just getting curious, like, "Uh I wonder why, like, I'm kind of avoidant around being alone. Or I wonder why um, it's uncomfortable for me to have space by myself or even to relax. That's something I personally have a hard time with, like, traditional relaxation. Like, anytime I have a couple of weeks off, I'm like, whew, okay, like I know this is going to be good for me and I know I need to have some downtime, but I also know for me that it's going to be really hard because I do know those things are going to come up and it'll be time to process and think about those things. And you know what? It's going to pass. Um, And so I think that too can be supportive. Emotions are always temporary. They have a peak and then you're you're going to come down. But sometimes that peak can feel really scary uh, and, and that's valid. It's understandable. Um, but sometimes the more we touch it, we can get a little bit more familiar with it um, and then maybe work towards not being um, so avoidant the next time. And if it's really to a point where it does feel quite frightening, that's when it's a great time to start working with a mental health professional. Yeah, that was something we started with. And I remember me really struggling to rest and a lot mm-hmm. of our conversations focusing around hey, like you can rest. Hey, it's okay mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. And even uh, starting to process too. that working with you, I think is where I started to actually start processing on paper. Like I had journaled, mm-hmm. previously, but going back, I actually keep them all on a shelf back there, Aww. going back and like looking through it and looking at the processing, that was really a place to start exploring and getting curious mm-hmm. and being a curious observer versus where sometimes we can be a little bit more judgmental. Right. And that's where it's kind of like, you know, you don't have to have a full-blown opinion about this one thought that you're having mm-hmm. you can just be a gentle observer. Mm-hmm. Something that I think is really curious uh, that a lot of people, I know when I talk about it and I actually started learning stoicism from you, how would mm-hmm. you describe stoicism and kind of give the entrepreneurial pitch of why maybe somebody should start exploring that if they're an entrepreneur. Yeah, I love stoicism. Um, it's, so the stoicism is a lifestyle philosophy. It's been around forever, um, but it's really rooted in like you only have control over you. And so there's been a lot of theoretical orientations that we use in theory um, and therapy that go back to stoicism and especially so cognitive behavioral therapy 
and is what a lot of what I do with clients. Um, and so behavior change, right? Mm -hmm. So if, when we think about emotional reactivity, um, the Stoics would say like, you only have control over yourself and you cannot control what's going on, on in the outside world. And so really bringing it back to self and seeing like, okay, well, if that's the case, then I need to focus on myself and understanding like, how can I build trust within and keep my waters as calm as possible, you know, or just know like you have the ability to make decisions based on what might be going in your outside, going on in your outside world. Another thing with the Stoics is uh, like following through on who you say you're going to be. Like, who are you and why? Getting really clear on your values and trying to live as close to your values as possible. Uh, discipline comes in here a lot with Stoicism and just following through. I say, I'm going to do this, so I'm going to do it. And it's a great tool. Like that mindset tool is used a lot in cognitive behavioral therapy, where you have goals you set for yourself and they can be really, really small. Um, but the more that you begin to follow through on what you say you're going to do, the more buy-in you have with yourself. So the more self-trust you begin to build. And that begins, as that begins to develop, you're able to move towards your larger goals because you know you're able to accomplish them. Yeah. I started learning it through you and then started really exploring it because you know I started reading reading Ryan Holiday and he yeah he loves stoicism I read all of his books I bought all of his books I was like I'm ready for the next one whenever it appears yes the biggest thing that like really rooted in for me is the self-trust and the self-belief because I know Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur it can be really hard to trust yourself and understand what can I control mm-hmm. and typically it's yourself it's not everything else around and where can I maintain kind of this regulated peace inside myself and understand mm-hmm. you know at the end of the day I can only do so much and what's mm-hmm. in my realm of control I can focus on if I go outside of my realm of control I'm not actually controlling anything mm-hmm. and I need to kind of pull it back in mm-hmm. You mentioned follow through and Mm -hmm. working towards those larger goals. And one of the things I hear a lot of is either the fear of failure, the fear of success, or struggling for follow through. How would you kind of speak to that through your lens of, you know, knowing therapy and Mm -hmm. CBT and the Mm -hmm. things around stoicism? Yeah. So I think like it's natural to have a fear of failure. I feel like that's like quite human nature of all of us to have and we kind of need that (laughs) to help discern and decision making right like that is like a a survival tactic that is within all of us like do I go do this thing I don't know is it safe I don't know like that that's normal to have Um, and when working towards something taking the mindset of like being a beginner like being a beginner is okay and if you do quote unquote fail that's fine. Like some, yeah, sometimes you have to fill a whole heck of a lot of times in order to get it right. Right. And if you, if you try something for the first time and you're good at it right away, you know, there could be like, that could be great. But the, a lot of the process of becoming like an expert in your field is failing a lot and like really getting up close and personal with it and touching it and learning more and having that curiosity. Um, and so I think, taking the mindset of like, this is a part of of the process. Um, You have to try and try again and you have to be in that work and really comfortable with it. Um, Having good dialogue, receiving feedback. uh, That's how you really get good at something. Um, And, you know, the things that come really easy to you can be a great starting point when you realize like, 
oh, okay, something might be harder to do in the sense of it making like clicking in your brain, whereas the other thing clicks, but now you just need more practice and more exposure to it to become that like true expert in uh, whatever work you decide to do. The fear of success, um, that could be rooted in a lot of different things. <laughs> um, it could be like how um, success was framed like in, in childhood, what does that mean? Um, your version of success could be very different than what your caregiver's version of success was. Uh, you could have had, um, you know, a poor experience with someone who seemed really uh, successful and then maybe didn't follow through in a way that you thought, like having a bad experience with a coach, I guess, essentially is what I'm trying to say. And so that could be a fear that could develop of, I don't want to be that way, or I don't know if I trust so-and-so or whatever. Um, and that can be with any relationship that could also go with therapists too, right? So you have a bad uh, experience with therapists and it can make you more hesitant to do it in the future. Um, I think a lot of our past experiences shape what our outlooks end up becoming and what our opinions end up becoming. And then for follow through, I just love when working with clients to set really, really small goals. <laughs> and that is a tried and true thing I have done for years now. But the small goals really help you understand like you can do something, even if it is something as simple as doing a reflection journal one day out of the week. But hey, you did it. And now we can talk about it in session next. And, and you get to see that you're making progress. Um, and then, yeah, like I said earlier, that trust begins to develop. And uh, I think therapists and coach can, coaches can do this where, you know, you see progress being made and then you can realize, okay, this person is ready to handle more so I can give them more. But you kind of like build them up uh, to that, depending on the client, depending what their needs are. Um, but I, I really enjoy that is like starting really small and then building up over time so that then eventually, you know, you want them to be able to graduate and you want them to be able to go off and stair-stepping that can be helpful. I'm never graduating from therapy. I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's not, I always say this, it's not because of the lack of progress. It's, I yeah. truly enjoy this. And yeah. there is doing the little goals and bringing mm -hmm. reflection and bringing those things to therapy have been really powerful in my own life. And I speak from like my experience. I do have a very trusted relationship. Like I have been with my therapist for, it was two years in May, which is so crazy. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is like, this is a huge thing, but yeah, I love the way that you break it down where a lot of past experience is going to shape it, but that past experience doesn't mean it's always like that mm -hmm. and that you are at your core able to change. And that, you know, the all or nothing mindset we see in entrepreneurship, like mm. the 75 hard mindset of, if mm -hmm. you don't do it exactly this way, mm. you have quote unquote failed may not mm -hmm. be the best route for people. It may right. be that first, I remember when we started together, it was just the tiny little things. It was mm -hmm. like meditating for three minutes instead mm -hmm. of a whole 15 minute session yeah. and writing in my journal once a week. Like those things do build some really good momentum around mm -hmm. self-care habits and routines. Mm -hmm. Something I feel like you haven't touched on, but I know we worked on together. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the importance of habits and routines as an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. Structure is so important. <laughs> um, so like when you're an entrepreneur, you are really responsible for yourself and then you're also going to be responsible for others. And so having a routine that is supportive to yourself first. So really, and if you have trouble with this, <laughs> prioritizing yourself, it can sound easy and it might be hard once you start doing it. Um, but having a like 
very clear routine where you can expect to do the same thing oh, uh, every single day or parts of your day are already taken structured and taken care of, that helps to where you don't have to like sit down and be like, what am I going to do today? Having your day planned out ahead of time can help you streamline your work. Um, also making sure you're having some time to like decompress from work. And that can also be really simple. Um, my, I love creating new routines anytime I have like a new change in season. I just am going through a slew of huge life changes. <laughs> um, I just graduated school. I am doing therapy full time now and I just got married. And so all amazing things. And my schedule has like, it's completely different. And so I knew I needed to look at how do I take care of myself first? And so for me, that looks like meditation, getting sunshine, moving my body and reflecting in some way. Um, but those things in total don't take me very long. I'm meditating for three to five minutes right now because that's what works with my schedule. I'm walking in the sunshine for about 15 minutes. I'm journaling for maybe five to 10 minutes. And those are little things that I can stack that are going to support my mental health. Um, right now I am taking a break from therapy, but I am looking to get back into it here in the coming months. I'm also the same. Like I love being able to work with a therapist. I've worked with a therapist for three or four years now, and I'll take like six months breaks and then go back into it. And it's because I want to, I like having that reflection back to me. I like being able to process things that I know I need to process and, it can just be so supportive when I can hear it reflected back to me. Like, I love that. I love it. It's so helpful. Obviously, I've gone to school for it to be able to provide it outside. But all I'll say, routine is very supportive. It can take a lot of burden off of trying to figure out what you're doing, like, every day if you just have an outline. Um, and then incorporating time to take care of yourself first. Yeah. And I learned from you, it's like, okay, when it doesn't serve you anymore, it doesn't need to be this whole, like, I've completely destroyed my routine. It gets right. to change with you. Like mm -hmm. you are changing so much and it does get to change and mm -hmm. serve you in new and different ways. Mm -hmm. And I love that you touch on only meditating like three to five minutes. Cause I think some people think it needs to be this like yeah. hour long mm -hmm. deep session. And it's like, no, it just like, it could even just be breath work for three to five. Absolutely. Minutes. Yeah. And the thing I love about meditation really, is like the way I think about it is I'm teaching my brain to listen to me. <laughs> like I am calling the shots here because it, you know, it can be like your emotions get the best of us or whatever it might be your thoughts. So you are having trouble slowing down your thoughts, whatever it is. Meditation is really the practice of like you knowing that you're in control of what's going on in there. And I think of it as just like, I'm just working this muscle. I'm exercising this muscle because I know I'm going to need it at some point in time. And so if I just touch it a little bit every day, every few days, whatever you have time for, um, that's how I conceptualize meditation. Yeah. That's how I conceptualize it. Cause I, there's so much that like, I just remember like us working through together and really feeling in partnership about it and not feeling there wasn't this weird power dynamic. It was mm -hmm. like, okay, here's the things, here's where the goals. I remember I had very specific goals and mm -hmm. then I, our second set, I had very specific goals as well. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting too, because that was really the stepping stone for me to get into therapy and mm -hmm. to my mental health started declining to say like, Hey, I need help and mm -hmm. not just trying to figure it out by myself, which I'm right. forever grateful because they're definitely, I, I don't really know what would have panned out, but I know that like, I needed to be able to say like, 
hey, I need to start seeing, you know, a psychiatrist and mm-hmm. get on medication. And that's mm-hmm. not for everybody. But for me, that was a really good path. And yeah. I need to have a therapist and have a space to process something without, you know, as humans, we love to give advice and we love to also give judgment with our advice. Mm-hmm. And when we're also seeking support, sometimes in the therapeutic room, if there's enough rapport, mm-hmm. they're not going to like call you on your crap the same way a life coach may be, but they right. may say like, Hey, this has happened before. Mm-hmm. This can be a cycle, you know, mm-hmm. we're starting to learn and reflecting from it. And that has also helped me kind of pull out Megan, the business owner who I love mm-hmm. and adore and who doesn't yes. things, yes. but also just Megan. Uh, yes. Yeah, you're touching on a really important point of like, as entrepreneurs, your identity becoming fully your work. And that is something to be very mindful of. Like you are so much more than the work that you do, even if the work that you do is is like your creation. And so being able to touch on other parts of yourself that create who you are as the whole person is incredibly important. And for me, that's like hard boundaries, shutting off the computer at a certain time. I'm really allowing myself to have time on the weekends to do nothing work related. Having friends who have nothing to do with therapy, (laughs) nothing to do with coaching, you know, like having hobbies that have nothing to do with what I do in my work. All of that supports um, really touching on the multifacetedness of who you are as a person. But yes, like I can often see how that can become all-encompassing. It can. I like that you touched on having people who are not in the same realm that you do, who are not in the niche. I know there's very common advice out there. Like, you know, if you're a business owner, don't hang out with nine to fivers. And I Mm. disagree (laughs) so heartedly to that also, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be with my partner and I wouldn't, my dad works a nine to five job. So does my brother. Yeah you do need to have people outside of that space. And Mm -hmm. I think that is some of the burnout that we're seeing inside the online space is this Mm -hmm. all encompassing and attachment of worthiness and value to what you're creating and Mm -hmm. forgetting that you are multifaceted and you don't have to monetize every multifaceted part of you. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. And I think that's why working, um, like why entrepreneurism isn't for everybody. Um, and because I do think it takes a lot of boundaries to be able to do it long term and sustainably. I know I felt so I took two years off of Instagram after experiencing burnout and like I was just got accepted to grad school. I mean, I didn't feel like teaching what I was learning. And that was like really clear to me. I, like as soon as I got my acceptance letter, I was like, I just want to be full student in this experience. And I want to soak up everything I can and I want no distractions and so I deleted Instagram of the online space and now coming back to it um I just have so many boundaries around Instagram <laughs> and I also have done a lot of research in school about like social media and how it can affect like self-perception um how like comparison it can be so detrimental to your psyche and who you are as a person. And like, if you're always kind of comparing yourself and there's always someone to compare yourself to when you have it in the palm of your hand. Yeah. And so creating separation, having good, strong boundaries in the online space. Um, I like to recommend like just doing audits of just like, who are you scrolling past or whose stories are you watching that really bring you a lot of joy and you feel inspired by? That's good science. Those are good things. And then also paying attention to like, stories or or accounts that may 
make you feel like you're not doing enough. Um, and there's a line there, right, with coaching of like, I want to help develop you um, so you reach your potential and know what you're, you're capable of doing. But then there's also like the line of I'm going to use scare tactics and fear to try to get someone to move. Um, and I don't agree with that way of like, I don't know, trying to make someone do something uh, just because I feel like it can, in the wrong hands, it can be really hurtful. I think for me, and I think it, so my grandma grew up in England during World War II, and uh-huh. she was in England when they found out what the Nazis were doing. And I'm not saying that people are taking it to that same extent, mm-hmm. but there's always been this undertow of message of like, you need to be really mindful of your behavior and your intentions around your behavior, because in England, it was so, you know, they didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that social media is a full-blown genocide, but I feel like sometimes yeah. in the industry, there is a lot of fear and there is a lot of, well, this is how it is. And you need to be pushed and grown and pushed to your edges. And I don't think that's yeah. the for mm-hmm. a lot of it. And that's where it's also being mindful in, you know, as you run a business, making sure where are you operating out of that and understanding, you know, if you're using a lot of those tactics, is it coming from a place of truly believing in scarcity and trying Mm -hmm. to get people to take action when that may not be the right action for them to take? And it's also, Mm -hmm. you know, where in the coaching industry can we start making calls where it's not just a mindset issue, it may be a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. I remember when I started my journey into Mm -hmm. my mental health, I had to put a firm boundary on a container that I was in because they kept framing my mental health like it was a mindset issue. And I was like, this isn't a mindset issue. I was, they were testing and figuring out the diagnosis to be able to help with medication and then Mm -hmm. going to therapy and getting an additional diagnosis. And that's where it's also too, like, there is so much inherently good in the industry, yeah. but being autonomous and knowing your boundaries and also abdicating for yourself comes from knowing yourself. Yeah. Some of the tactics are fear-based. They are scarcity-based. They are meant to dysregulate you and get you to take an action that you wouldn't. And mm-hmm. you do get to say, no, this isn't a mindset issue, or, you know, I don't want to work with a mindset coach. There's a ton of good ones out there. You can yeah. say, I don't want to be with a life coach or in therapy as well. Right, absolutely. Yeah, the mindset. I see that often too. I'm um, just coming back into the online space and kind of seeing different messages and messaging. But like, if someone is having a hard time getting out of bed, if someone has lost like all motivation to follow through, um, and it's been over the course of like two weeks time, so like if you're a coach and like the last two weeks with your client have been like, they're having a really hard time, like to the point where they like all interest and pleasure is lost, you know, that is a mental health sign. And that would be a good time to, to refer to a therapist or, you know, just know like that's not a mindset thing. That is a mood. That is a chemical reaction that person is having. Um, and it can be really hard when someone who is and as I I experienced depressive episodes and so like I really know when I'm having a low episode it is I'm gonna have to be extra gentle with myself when I'm doing my work as an entrepreneur and I know it's not a mindset issue and I know it's going to pass um, but I do know how hard it can be to have to move through that time when your mood is taking such a hit and if that's kind of in the wrong hands or if it's with someone who doesn't have any experience really in knowing like what those differences are then it can kind of add to the like man I feel like I'm just like 
not doing a good job or like was I ever even supposed to do this like it can just add to those thoughts when you're already having a hard time whereas if you're working with someone a mental health professional who can support you through that and say like hey this is this is what this is and they can name it for you or even with anxiety you know it can go both ways there um but yeah I I do have concern around like the mindset stuff we're like you just gotta power through it and it's like <laughs> no you don't <laughs> no you don't <laughs> yeah depression is very interesting sometimes it feels like a a full-blown beast and sometimes it feels super manageable Mm -hmm. and like the other side of that is being an entrepreneur as you mentioned at the beginning you you can be set up for more depression or anxiety or just Mm -hmm. you know you're in a different type of stress situation what has helped me is like understanding like I'm someone who is like very self-aware that's something I always get told I'm very Mm self-aware but it's also like have a plan in place when you know, if you know that you have those things. And that came with working with a therapist of being like, okay, what is the awareness around my depression or my anxiety? And naming it sometimes is so freeing to be like, it's not I'm wrong or something's wrong with me. It's I have depression and this is sometimes what it feels like. And then putting a plan in place. I feel like I have to go back and listen to this episode because there's just so many good little nuggets. But if there were any parting words that you would leave someone with or anything that you want to reinforce for them, what would it be? You don't have to figure it out all by yourself. (laughs) You know, there's there's help available. Um, And I also think too, like, just be gentle with yourself. Be kind to yourself. Um, that is so supportive when we think about long-term work, especially in the entrepreneurial world, befriending yourself and remembering that you're on your own team. And that really can look like, maybe I take some time to map out my schedule for the week. Maybe I consider getting some support from a mental health professional in whatever realm that looks like, you know, and, and knowing that it's okay to prioritize yourself and put yourself I can still to this day hear you being like, be kind to yourself, (laughs) like be on your own team. Mm -hmm. And you know, maybe if it's not all of those things above, maybe you play hooky one afternoon and go eat ice cream in the park. Like that, that also helps while we're in summer. Mm -hmm. If somebody loves you and wants to catch up with you and see what you're up to, where can they find you? Yeah. So come hang out with me over on Instagram. I'm at it's Desiree K. Um, that's where I'm spending most of my time currently as far as like showing up that's where you can find me. Yay. And do you have a special gift for them? Yeah. So I have a, um, it's a PDF. It's an ideal self-development, um, PDF. And so it's a lot of prompts. If you're kind of in the space where you want to do some exploration of self and maybe experiencing a change trying to figure out what do you even want to add to your routine I have some really good questions there to kind of get your thoughts all sorted um yeah that's a free download lots of problems yeah it's pretty good I I have it sitting in my inbox and I know I'm gonna use it awesome thank you for being on today and thank you for everything you've done my pleasure thanks for having me great to connect